I believe that God designed on demand for people like you. People can't always get to the word when you want it, so you need it in your hand or you need it on your computer. But here it is, a word just for you. So click in, enjoy yourself. And remember, God designed this just for you. So apply the word you're about to hear and let it transform your life. Uh, if you would open your Bibles to um, Genesis chapter, uh, it's going to be Genesis chapter 3 today. I am starting a new series on dealing with the real issues of family. It's really about relationships. All year long, I've been answering a series of questions. The question is, how do you cut a new path in your life? What do you do if you want to cut a new path? And the answer to that question is, what you have to do if you want to cut a new path is you have to make sure that you, number one, build a new you, build a better you. It's all about you being better. Secondly, you have to then um, build a better vision. You have to then build a better foundation and then make better decisions. Now I'm talking about you have to make sure you deal with your real issues. So if you want to build a better you, have a better vision, have a better foundation, you've got to make better decisions, and you've got to have an honest confrontation with yourself. And there are three real issues I said you have to deal with. Your sexual issues, which you talked about last, last month. Now I'm talking about your relationship issues. Can you say that with me, please? Say relationship issues. What are your relationship issues? What are the things in your life that relationally don't go well? And then the next month we're going to talk about your work issues. Because I really believe a lot of our problems could be fixed if we work differently. It's how we approach work. Our attitudes towards bo our bosses, towards self-employment, just towards work it itself. And it's going to be a great study. But today, I want to talk about relationship issues for the next two or three weeks. And, and part of it, it starts with family. Uh, somebody once said, you don't get to choose them. You wake up and here they are. How do you deal with family? And I thought the best place to go is to go back to Genesis chapter 3 and look at the first family. The first family relationship and its issues, the things that happened that caused them to have really, really tragic outcomes. I want to begin with the big question, and I want you to think about this. What are the real family issues you face? If you were to boil it down and put it on, 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 the, on the table, what are the big things that your family faces, the real issues? What are hard things for your family to face, the hard things? Maybe it's uh, communication. Maybe it's a disagreement. Here's a big question, too. Has your family made bad decisions that now limit the quality of your family's life? They made decisions, but now they don't have the resources they need. Now they, they are in places of tension because of money or because of something that was said or done. Here's another question. Do you feel like your family is starting over in a harder place than they enjoyed years ago? It's really interesting when a family says, we used to be able to go on vacation, but now we can't. Or we used to have time together, but now we don't. You're in a harder place. You move from one city, and now you're in another city. You don't make the money you used to make, and you don't have the house you used to live in. And so everybody's crammed together, and the space is tight. You used to be married. Now you're divorced. You used to have, now you don't have. And so whatever that is, what, what, describe honestly what are the issues your family faces today. And how do you feel about that? But I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you on a journey and show you Adam's family. And I want to show you how in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, they come to this incredible place. 
man has made a decision. A family has made a decision, which I'll talk about later on here. They made a decision, and the decision led to an incredible moment. There is a moment stated in Genesis 3, verse 21, that says, God said, the man has become like one of us, capable of knowing everything ranging from good to evil. What if he now should reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat and live forever? What if he doesn't change? That's the question. God's having a conversation about a family, Adam and Eve's family, and he's concerned that they're going to stay in a dangerous state. Now, this is said after the fall. If you're familiar with the Bible, if you're not, then let me help you understand. Genesis chapter 3 chronicles the fall of man. And I'll go through that in more detail in a minute. But in chapter 3, God now says, okay, man has made a decision. This family has made a decision. And I'm concerned that they're going to stay in this state forever. And I can't let that happen. So the message version of the Bible I'm reading to you says, never, we can't let that happen. That cannot happen. So what does he do? Verse 23, he expels man from the garden. It's a consequence that's painful. So follow me again. A family makes a decision, right? Now the family's decision leads God to a place where a hard decision has to be made. They can't stay here. They can't. So he expels them from the garden of Eden, verse 23 of chapter 3, and sent them to work the ground, the same dirt out of which they had been made. And he threw them out of the garden and stationed angels, cherubims, and a revolving sword of fire east of it, guarding the path to the tree of life. In other words, okay, these people have made a decision. This family has come together and made a decision, and that decision has led to this consequence, and now they must be put out of the garden. They must be expelled. That is a painful moment. Have you ever been expelled? I've dealt with people, and I've wondered why, they were, why they're where they are. And I, I just can't figure it out. But sometimes it's because of a decision they made that I don't know about. And God has said, basically, I will not allow them to have that opportunity again. It's an amazing moment. Think about this. They could not live in the garden anymore. You, you can't have that good job. You can't have that salary. You can't have the, I have decided. This is a moment of profound pain. And there are families that have made decisions that have put them in a place like this. And when I meet them, I don't know, they put, I don't know, I don't know why they're where they are. All I see is a, a result. I see a consequence. When I see the marriage falling completely apart, I don't know what happened. I have no clue. I wasn't there. But now, in this story, you can see up close, here's what happens. They made a decision. The decision brought about a terrible consequence. And so now the Lord had to block them from, from, from the place they grew up, the place they loved, the place they were born. And this is when I, when I read this, I think to myself, Father, help me not live in such a way that you have to put me out of a good place and force me to grow in a, in a tough place to change. And pray it again. Father, I pray you don't have to put me out of a good place. I pray you don't have to put me out of a good relationship, a good marriage, in order for me to learn in a bad place that's painful. Lord, I pray you'd help me control my temper, control my attitude, so that you don't have to put me out of a good place. For me to end up in a bad place so that I may learn. 
The most important thing in God's mind in this story is that they learn and change. This family is in a dangerous place, and he says, I can never allow this to continue. I must, I must expel them from this. And then what's really amazing, imagine them walking by the garden for however long they could still see it. And that's the place I used to live. That's the place I used to be. Those, those used to be my friends, but they had to cut me off because I'm always borrowing money. I'm always high. I'm lying to them. I don't pay them back. So in order for them to survive, they have to cut me off. They have to expel me because I'm a danger to them. Are you a danger to people? Are you somebody that is not safe to trust? Because if they come into a relationship with you, it's going to cost them something. It's hard to do this. This is, this is, let me tell you something. One of the hardest things to do is to say no. No more. But you watch God draw this line for Adam and Eve. His oldest children on this planet. The two he loves. The two he created with his own hands. The two he gave everything to. It's really interesting to me that God thinks this way. Watch this now. You got it made in shape. You don't have a cable bill. You don't have a phone bill. You don't have to worry about transportation because you walk everywhere. Oh, man, this is amazing. Free food, right? No mortgage. This is cool, right? You think you'd be happy. And I, you know, when I hear people say things like, don't spoil your children, get up. Give me a break. God gave them a planet. It's not, a, it's not the stuff they have. It's how they think. You can give them a Mercedes. It's not the stuff they have. It's the way they think. I, I got a number of friends whose kids are we're wealthy, wealthy family. And they don't get it. They're not crazy. They, they get it. You teach them how to think, and they learn that it's only a car, and it's only a house, and it's only a trip. They get it. They're not, they're not hung up on their bank account. And there's something powerful about Adam and Eve having everything and still made some incredible decisions that put them in a bad place. So here you have it. Now Adam and Eve see an opportunity, chapter 4, verse 1 of Genesis, to start over again. That's always great, right? When you mess up, a new opportunity shows up. Here's what happens. And Adam slept with Eve, his wife, and she conceived and had Cain. Oh, man, now we're going to have a family. This is great. Okay, we messed up. But now God's going to give us a chance to start over again. I have a son named Cain, and I've gotten a man with God's help. She's, she's happy. Verse 2, then she had another baby. Boy, this is going good for you. She has a son named Abel. And he was a herdsman. And Cain, a farmer. Both hardworking guys. What a great life. Redemption, right? It's not as easy as it could have been, but, it's, but it's, the, it's a new beginning. So there's this new opportunity. Now, next week I'll pick up on this story and I'll tell you more about it. But what's fascinating is this is what she thought was going to work. It's great. But some of you already know the story of Cain and Abel, so you know it's not going to go well. And it's really interesting when you do everything you can to redeem yourself, but there's some things you put in motion. Hear me carefully. You can put some things in motion in your family that are hard to turn around. You can create a direction that's hard to turn around. If you teach your children certain things, if you teach them, for example, when you get depressed, you go drink, you get high, you solve your problems with some kind of substance, it's hard to stop that train. You, you, don't, you, you, you make them think that when you're mad, you cuss, you fight, that's what you do. You don't take nothing. It's hard to stop that train. You don't know where it will end. Adam and Eve started something, and, and they stopped themselves. Hear this, hear this. 
They stopped themselves. They turned around. They stopped. They repented. They changed. But the children picked up a spirit that didn't turn around. But that's next week. But look at this. In chapter 3, there are three lessons I want you to think about. Okay? Three basic things that I think are important here. Three mistakes that caused Adam's family to fall apart. Number one. Repeat it with me, please. So they allowed, come on, their values to be challenged. Now go back to chapter 3 with me in, in, in Genesis. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let me show you this. They allowed their values to be challenged. There is a point in a family where the family decides to change. The issues in all families start with a decision. Listen to what happened. Chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. And he said to the woman, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? Notice the serpent brings this up. The issues in this family will start with this conversation. Say that with me, please. Come on. The issues in this family will start with this conversation. One more time. Come on. The issues in this family will start with this conversation. There is a conversation, a relationship, a friend. A, there's always a beginning place. You didn't just get on drugs. It started with a relationship. Somebody introduced you, showed you how to roll it up. Somebody showed you how to fix it up. Somebody showed you where to go buy it because you didn't know. It always starts with a relationship, a beginning. So, so where is the beginning? So here's the beginning. She's in a conversation, and just as a sidebar, Adam is listening. He is present in this moment. When you read the text closely, he's, he's not, he's not, people think he's in another room. No, he's, he's right there, but he's, he's silent. Then that's a man's problem sometimes. We're silent when we should say something. He's watching this interaction. Has God said, God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can't eat from the tree in the gar- trees in the garden. It's, it's, it's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God has said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. Now, that's, that's the clear set of values. She's clear. This is what she understood from the mouth of God. We don't need to do this. Well, watch what happens. Here's the challenge to the values. The serpent told the woman, verse 4, you won't die. You will not die. You, You can do this and it won't hurt you. That is not true. Watch this now. God knows that the moment you eat from the tree, you will see what's really going on. That's true. Crossing this line would teach them something. That's true. You will be just like God. That's not true. See, a little bit of truth, a little bit of untrue. Kind of mixed together like a gumbo, right? Knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil, that's kind of true. See, please understand, God had an education plan for his people. Adam and Eve were going to learn more about evil, but not by doing evil. They were going to learn good and evil. They were going to learn what not to do, what not to say, how to act, how not to act. That was going to come. It's kind of like what you do with your kids, right? You have a plan to teach them, but you, you have, I know I, I always tease, think about this. It's so funny. I did not, in my house, I didn't play certain music. I didn't, uh, especially certain contemporary music. I, didn't, I, I thought it was a little bit too much, you know, the language and whatnot. And, and, and one day I found out my kids knew all the songs. They knew all the words. I said, where you learning? They said, on the bus. 
be bleeding all on the bus. I thought, well, wow, all that effort for nothing. Isn't it amazing? What happened in this story is the good and the evil part that they were going to learn when they, this was going to happen in a process of education. Adam and Eve were not going to stay naked forever. They were not going to stay in the garden. That was not going to happen because people were going to be born. And, but these were two married people living in their own house on an island by themselves. It didn't matter. And there's a whole process and a whole thing of transparency and marital intimacy that God wanted them to have that was not, was not to be, they were not to be taught by an outsider. They were to be taught by God. And so they decided to learn another way. And so the tree, please hear this, the tree in the middle of the garden, the wrong in eating of the fruit was this was a decision. It wasn't the fruit. It could have been a mango, apple. Who cares what it was? That's not the issue. It was a statement. I no longer follow you. I follow me. I now do it my way. You've heard this before, right? I'm grown. I do what I want to do. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell me what to do. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I am 18. Say it loud. 18. And broke. No, 18, 18. <laughs> you know you were broker at 18 than you are now, right? So, so, you, know, you, feel, you don't know how broke you are until you get to be 19. Then you look back, oh, God, I was broke back then. And then you get 20, God was broke then too. You know? Before you know it, you look back when you're 61 like me and you go, Lord Jesus, I was um, not where I thought I was most of my life. These, these, this family made a decision to follow another voice. They made a decision, a corporate decision. So the first mistake they made was they allowed their values to be challenged. They allowed their values to be challenged, and they didn't say anything back. They allowed someone to challenge their values. Who's challenged your values? Who's told you that this is okay? Who's put you in a different place? Secondly, they did this as a group. They decided together to change their values. That's the second mistake they made. So they listened was the first mistake. They allowed it to happen. They didn't, they didn't stop the serpents and listen. We're not going to talk to you about that. They didn't go to God in the cool of the day because the Bible said the Lord would walk with them in the cool of the day. They didn't go to God and say, hey, you know, I had a conversation with the serpent the other day and he said, they didn't do that either. They just allowed someone to come into their life and challenge all their family values. And that's what some of us have done. You dated this guy, and you changed all your values for him. You, you, you hooked up with some friends, and they've changed all your values. I saw that a lot when I was in school. College is incredibly, <laughs> oh, God, all your values. Everything you think is right, wrong, because people do things you never thought they would do. You're just, you're just like a deer in headlights. You just can't believe that people think this way. And then the sad part is, when a family makes that decision, Adam joined in with Eve, and they both decided together. When the woman saw, verse 6, that the, that the tree looked good, eating and realizing what she would get out of it, she knew, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate it. And immediately, the two of them did see what was really going on. Here's what they saw. They saw themselves as naked exposed and they didn't want that so they sewed fig leaves together and they started hiding now now that's that's a small thing but it's a big thing because now they have made a corporate decision that I'm telling you if you want to know one of the biggest tragedies in our culture 
when it comes to relationships is families have decided. Not just, they've joined together. Most of the crime, this is a sad truth, a lot of the crime, I say this way, a lot of the crime in our community is family-driven. There are cousins and uncles and aunts. They teach, the, the uncles are teaching the nephews how to do drugs. They're teaching them how to use weapons. They're teaching. You're learning it at home. You get in this family before you know it, you're shoplifting. Really? Yes. You're stealing stuff and your grand auntie taught you. And, and what's really amazing is you know, this, this tradition of family compromise. That's why it's hard to change. You heard of the mafia, right? The whole family idea. We are, and say the name, some of the most, some of the most notorious crime families in our history were families. They were related to each other. And, and sometimes that's where it grows. The problem here is you have a family that's decided we are not going to follow God. We're going to hide from him. Verse 8 says it. When they heard the voice of the sound of God strolling in the garden and the evening breezes, breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden. Why? God called to them, and he said, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. First time you hear that word in the Bible. He's afraid. Here's why I was afraid, because I was naked. And I hid, and God said, here's a big question. Read out loud with me, please. Verse 11. Who told you that you were naked? Who have you been talking to? Did you, did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat? Now, Adam could have said, yeah, I was, but he didn't. He said, the woman you gave me. The woman you gave me. I didn't ask for her, man. You knocked me out. Bam. Cut me open. There she is right there. <laughs> man, Adam. She gave it to me. She gave me that tree and I ate it. And God turned to the woman and said, what is this that you've done? She said, hey, it's the serpent. <laughs> he seduced me. Nobody's taking ownership yet. Does your family take ownership for what you created? Okay, I didn't do all that, Pastor Rick. I didn't ask you to do all of it. Is there any percentage of it that you? A little bit? 10%? 5%? What part of this did you create? There's something profound when you step back and you look at your life and you say to yourself, I understand that I am a part of this issue. Our relationship issues in this family are tied to choices we've made. We're not just at odds by accident. This house is not tense by accident. There's a decision an individual makes and there's a decision that we make. There's something about you stopping it early and saying, that's not consistent with my values. But guess what? You got to know what your values are. <laughs> you got to know what you believe is right or wrong. You got to know where the lines are. Are there no lines? Okay, there you go. That's the problem. I love this old English word, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. You know what it means? It means to have no walls, basically. No lines, no walls. Sleep with anybody, be with anybody, do anything you want because it's you. You're free, right? Here's what you got to do. Live long enough. Let me take you back to high school. Remember everybody that was cool? Remember everybody that was really together? Remember this little, little skinny girl walking through the hallway, knocking everybody out? Where's she at now? 
Where is she? Go find her. Go find him, Mr. Cool. Find him. Go find the one who didn't, who skipped class and it was cool and standing in the hallway smoking. Now he can't hardly breathe. Go find him now. It's not as cool anymore. You know what's scary? But, 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 I don't mean scary in a, yeah, it's scary. Um, to wake up one day and you are 30 years older but you still feel like the 30-year younger person. You're just in a different body. And you look in the mirror and go, who's that? That's you. You look at your bank account. You can't believe you didn't save any money. Go, is that me? You look at your choices. You look at your life. You have no options. And it's because you lost something somewhere. You can name where it is. You won't say it, but you can name. It's when I dated so-and-so. Yes, you can say it. You know his name. You know exactly when it started. You know, the greatest thing I, I celebrate about my life is I didn't kill myself. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't make choices that gave me no future options. I thank God that I have options in my life in the future. I thank God. I thank God that I'm relatively healthy. I can still run. I can still jump. I can still do come jumping jacks. I can still go. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. But what concerns me is if I don't face my issues, the things I need to improve on, and I'm not honest about them, I'm lying to myself. What are the real issues for our church long term? What are the real issues for our survival long term? What's going to help us survive the next 20, 20, 30 years? It's not having a preacher who's running around the world blessing everybody and no, I have to stay in focus on you. I have to deal with our family issues, young adults, men, finances, facilities, our health, our relationships. I have to, I have to create an environment that understands that, that longevity is something that you work toward. It's not an accident. Look, look success in your family is not accidental. To raise a sane man is not accidental. To raise a sane woman, sane woman, to have a great marriage is not an accident. And here's what I, here's what I say. You're not working hard enough. I challenge you. You're not, you're not trying hard enough. You are not committed to doing this right. Adam and Eve decided to ignore what they knew. Here's the question. Are you ignoring what you know? So I can talk about time with my wife and all that kind of stuff, but if I don't have time with her, if you can't put if it's not on my calendar, I am... Here's a big word. Say it with, I say this with love. You're lying to yourself. I am lying to myself. I am lying to myself. One of the most profound things I've done is look on, on, my, on my calendar. I, have a, I count the days I work out in a month. I count them. If I work out 12 times in a month, that's three times a week, then I told the truth. If it doesn't say 12 times, I lied to myself. How many times did you work out this month? Tell the truth. Don't say that out loud. You're not telling the truth to yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're not facing a real issue. Your family finances are in a mess. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Okay, issues. What are the real issues? And I'm telling you, this is what changes everything. The same way you came to that day when you lost your values, there can come a day when you regain them. 
The same way you lost an opportunity, you can gain a new opportunity. The same way you messed up your reputation, you can reestablish it. No one is impressed that you didn't fail. I'm impressed that you got up. Come on, amen. You got up from that. There's something in your life that can totally change. I was a teenager when I decided. I was a teenager when I sat on that curb I told you about by that church off Western Avenue in Los Angeles. That was, I was a teenager praying that prayer, asking God to give me a brand new beginning. I am 61 years old and I told God I need to create a new Ricky. I need to create a new Ricky. I need to fight forward. I need to believe I can. I need, to, I need to fight that way. I do not need to dwell on what I've accomplished, what I've done. That's not the point. And here's what's really amazing. I did this, I did this thing. Well, I added up how old I was when I did stuff. It was, it was amazing. It's an amazing moment. I was fearless in my 20s. I took a church at 23 years old. I, started, <laughs> I was fearless. It's crazy. Right out of Bible college, this church. I, I, I started building in my 30s, renovating in my late 20s. Our first building on East Broad Street. Bought this building, got, bought this land in my 30s and started building in my 30s. It's amazing. Fearless. No worry about failure. Failure is not an option. We're going to rise above this. We're going to win. What happens to you if you're not careful is you lose faith. You've lost faith in yourself. Your family's lost faith in itself. You're not fighting to win. You've given up and surrendered. I say it's time to fight again. Come on, amen. I say it's time to fight again. And here's here's why I think you should fight. Because you can fight better now. You know how. You know what I say about being older? You know one of the great things about being older? And I say this, because when you're older, you're not just, if you're going to be a sinner, you're not just any sinner. You're a good sinner. When you get older, you know how to sin real good. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know all of the sin methods. You're a professional sinner. And guess what? You got more money to sin with. You can sin, boy, I tell you. But decide to be strong. Woo, man, if you decide to be powerful, if you decide to have faith, man, you can be amazing. Come on, say amen. You hear me? You can be amazing. Because you know you have been there before. I've been down, but now I'm up again. I know how to fight. I know how to be backed in the corner. I know how to be broke. I know how to have and not have. I know how to be discouraged and encouraged. I know how to be left on the side of the road because I've been there before. Come on, shout amen if you're in the church. I've been there before. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to surrender because I've been there before. I know what it takes to get it done. Stand on your feet and give God a big hand clap. I'm right. Come on, people. Clap your hand and say amen if you're hearing me. Come on, shout amen if you're hearing me. Why are you going to quit now? You know you're too old to quit. You know what to do. You know how. Your family issues shouldn't scare you. Why should it scare you? You've been here before. You've been unemployed before. You've been tight before. You've been scared before. But he was there then. You got testimonies. Don't you remember the time you were sick? 
Anybody been sick? Raise your hand. Put your hands down. I mean real sick. Put your hand up real sick. Real sick, sick, sick. Sick unto death. Surgery. Rolling in. He was there. Bad doctor report. But he was there. Anybody been in a financial pinch? Raise your hand. Financial pinch. I mean real financial pinch. Put your hand up high. Yeah. He was there. He was there. You worried about a child. Child was all over your heart. You couldn't hardly sleep at night. Raise your hand. Had a child on your mind. But he was there. He was there. You lost a loved one. You thought you couldn't make it through it. Raise your hand. You lost somebody. But he was there. He's always been there. Come on, he's always been there for you. So here's what came to me. Here's what came to me. Temple. In my little prayer time, you know. Thinking about what I'm going to do. I was laughing, you know. I was laughing. They told me the Civic Center, they're going to tear it down in 2022. 2022, yeah. 2021 is the last time we can rent it. So, wow. Hmm. <laughs> so, we're going to have to make some, some building plans here in a minute. And I was praying about that. I said, do you remember that 33-year-old boy who didn't care? Why would you care now? If you had faith then, why don't you have faith now? Why, 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 would you, why would you doubt me now? Is he the same God? Come on, is he the same God? Come on, is he the same God? Here's the mistake we made in our early days. I felt sometimes like I had to be a hero. And I didn't always bring the team along. I, I, I thought I had to. But now I've gotten old and wiser. I don't fight alone. I fight with a team. And I've learned that if we band together. So do me a favor. Lift your hands up high together. Father, we lift our hands together. And we come as a team at our common issues. We're not afraid of any projects. We're not afraid of any expansions. We're not afraid of anything. We're not afraid, Lord God. We believe that we have family issues that we can overcome because we're wiser and stronger. And so we lay them all before you. There are people in this room who are at career crossroads. There are people in this room, people watching us, who are at places in life they didn't expect to be. And there are new challenges in front of them, but they must band together as a family, remember their values, and fight for it with confidence. And so, God, with all faith, we come today trusting you with our lives and believing that you have called us to a new season of victory and confidence. So we trust you today. We lay all of our fears before you. We rebuke them and we declare ourselves to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so God, together we go forward. Together we believe that not only have we you given us a purpose, but you've given us a purpose that's abundantly, come on, say abundantly, above all we can ask or think. God has a path. Come on, say God has a path for my life. I may not can see it, but I know it's there. In Jesus' name, amen. I give God a big hand clap for a big praise. Amen. 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've heard the message. And I realize that what you said spoke to my life. My spiritual life. And I need to make a commitment to grow in you. To learn, to grow. I've never really given my life to Jesus. I've never really committed my life to him. But I want to be a, I want to grow in that relationship with God. I want to start a new walk with Jesus. So I ask you, Lord God, to come into my life today. I, I want to be real with Jesus. I feel like I've been a, maybe a good person, but I have not been in an intimate, honest relationship with the living God where he's the Lord of my life. I haven't done that, but I want to do it today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And I give you the praise and glory for it. Everyone say amen. I love On Demand because it can help you. And I pray that what you've heard today will help you. I hope it transforms your life and gives you the, the boost you need. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who've listened in. Let it be a transforming moment for them, one they'll never forget in Jesus' name. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I'll see you next time right here on Demand. If you like what you heard today, link it and send it to a friend and bless somebody else. Have a great day. Bye-bye.